Welcome to the 15 Past 15 podcast. It's a great pleasure to be able to welcome Professor Stefan Tanaka today from the University of California at San Diego. Stefan, thanks for joining us. Oh, pleasure us. to be here. Um, as you know, one of the things we're very interested in this podcast is about the uh, writing of history, the framing of history, mm -hmm. how the past is used in various different ways. And your first book, Japan's Orient, Rendering Pasts into History, which was published in 1993, uh, addresses this from the perspective of the first generation of academic historians in Japan in the late 19th century. Can you say a little bit about what was the past or the pasts that had to be rendered into history? What was the past? Uh, the, the, the problem, as I understood it at that time, was, was that one is that Japan didn't have a past. And what I mean by Japan didn't have a past is that when Japanese were confronting Western intellectuals who were coming to Japan, they would all say to them that Japan has no history, uh, which sounds really strange. And the Japanese intellectuals started repeating that at the same time that they started looking at different parts of of their previous moments. They started looking at the texts that had been, uh, uh, like the Dai Nihonshi. That the Dai Nihonshi is, is the Mito-produced uh, history. There are older histories, I mean, but some of the most important ones were the Tales of Warriors, uh, and they were accepted as the truths about the past that should be handed down. And these were the things that weren't accepted as history. Uh, and so that, this was the problem that they were trying to deal with on the one hand is figure out, okay, how do we have to rewrite a history that talks about a Japan? What does that mean? At the same time then, um, you know, in the international situation, there was the problem of Western imperialism in East Asia. China was basically being carved up, or uh, the, the Japanese view knew exactly what was going on in the Opium War. I mean, they had all these reports that were coming in. Um, it, they were both worried about that, and they wanted to separate themselves, both politically. They didn't want that to happen to themselves. But the, the Westerners often treated Japanese and Chinese more or less at the same level. And so then, the, you know, it's the combination of not having a history, and, and I should say that not having a history should be in, in quotation marks, um, meant that they had to think differently about what their past is. So rendering past into history then is to, for them to try and investigate how they can write a past along the lines that they were starting to learn from Western intellectuals. Right, and what role does China play here? Because I think um, you talk about a progression or a, a transformation from kangaku, which is Chinese studies broadly defined, mm -hmm. to toyoshi, which is um, Eastern history, literally. Uh, one might say that sounds pretty much the same thing. What, what's the transition that you're, you're interested in there? So, so one of the, the problems of the previous past, if you will, of the Edo period is there's, I mean, there, there's a strong, huge a tradition of Chinese scholarship, Confucianism, Neo-Confucianism, uh, the classics, which was the basis of scholarship within Japan, or the Tokugawa period. That work centered the the known world around China. 
that work honored the, the work of Chinese as this is the basis of what we should know. Beginning at the early 19th century, there, there was a school of uh, the Kokugaku people like Motori Norinaga, others who were beginning to make a separation between China and Japan. And one of the sort of very apparently simple ways in which this beginning of a differentiation of Japan from China is marked is by the word Shina, which right. becomes much more used in the late 19th century than, than previous uh, terminology for China. Can you, can you say what, what is Shina exactly and why okay. is it becoming increasingly used in the late 19th right. century? So, so, so the shift from Kangaku to Toyoshigaku is, is a shift of, of focus where China is centered in Kangaku and Toyoshigaku, it's decentered. The shift from some kind of, of language about China as the Middle Kingdom shifts to a much more neutral term called Shina, which is kind of, I, I read it as a derivation of, of the Westerners calling, using the word China. I mean, neutral, but in many ways, some people read it as derogatory as well. Right, and so, I mean, it was a way to shift from something that the Japanese called loaded, where China is the center, and they didn't want it to be the center anymore, so they chose something that they argued is neutral, but the knowledge system that they created, which then becomes Toyoshigaku and, and, and the history of East Asia, uh, where China is the beginning and Japan is the, the ultimate collection of all the best of Asia and more, it creates a very hierarchical notion and, and a derogatory kind of positioning of China, China, as inferior to Japan. And can you give an example what this meant for the history of Toyoshi, of Oriental studies or Oriental history? Okay, so Toyoshi then was writing uh, basically uh, a history that goes from the, the original state, close to nature, primitive, becoming more sophisticated, ultimately gaining more rationality, ending up into a technological, scientific, rational society. And in the writing of Toyoshi then is, is to take that notion of kind of Western civilizational history and place it within a context of Asia. And so China then becomes the beginning of it it's respected as, as a wonderful early civilization. But then there, there are different moments of decay in Chinese in dynastic histories. And the Japanese argue that from the, the decay of either the Tang dynasty or the Sung dynasty, depending on which um, scholar you, you, you paid attention to, China declined. The best, the civilizational techniques of that part of China came to Japan. So Japan represented the ideals of Asia. So in writing that, that history then, it was kind of a, uh, an overview where, where they talked about how Asia um, or, or Japan is now superior to the Chinese. And so the, the Chinese then were still, in, in a sense, stuck in the past, whereas the Japanese were advancing. And then, for, as far as the contemporary policy was concerned, it's, it's an easy argument to make that Japanese must help the Chinese 
to be fight against Western imperialism. And the best people to do that on behalf of Asians is the Japanese. So that would then play directly into the development of a national history for a new and modern nation. Right. So, so then this is where Shina becomes the past of Japan. At the same time, Japanese can make an argument that the Japanese are taking in at different moments of their history parts of Chinese civilization. You cannot divorce Japanese history from the continent because there's, there are continental influences that have come in at different moments. But it's a way to talk about receiving continental influences without saying that you're derivative of. And that was important for the Japanese to argue, yeah, we took this in, but then we made it our own, and we're we made it better. So in your second book, New Times in Modern Japan, published in 2004, you develop your thoughts on the history and the past of Japan. What do you mean by New Times? Well, New Times, then, is, is one, is taking up and playing with the, the, the term uh, Neuzeit of Reinhard Koselleck. So when I think about New Times, uh, I think of it, it, this is a different time. This is a new time for, for the Japanese. It, and by New Time, then, it also becomes conceptual because new separates the modern from the past. New Times, that it, it, using Koselleck, it, is that this is the modern, and that's the part where, where it's modern Japan. It's talking about modernity and, and, and that distinction. And, and third, uh, time is new. Uh, you know, it's, it's, here we are in Switzerland, uh, but it's hard for, for, for people also to think about Japan as a society where, where there was not the strict temporal precision that we, we see of them today. And so, and, and like the cover is, you know, the person says, I eat whenever my, I'm hungry rather than when it's 12 o'clock. Uh, and, and so life is organized around more natural rhythms rather than clock rhythms. And so that, that, you know, literally a different time, a new time. In the book, you also pick up the idea of discovering a past for a national history. Can you say something more than the role of China in this process in Japan? When I was thinking about discovering a past, I, I was thinking about... Um, different kinds of, of events or discoveries, things that happen that seem strange to different people. And so, for example, uh, after the building of the railroad, to build a railroad, you have to cut through land. They cut through middens, and they discovered shell mounds. And in those shell mounds, and this is what Edwin Morse discovered, Edward Morse discovered, is that you, you saw, they saw tool markings on, on the refuse in the middens. And he discovered that these were, or he argued that these, this, there was evidence of cannibalism. So then for the Japanese, when they heard this, they said, how could we be cannibals? It, it, because it was impossible for them, and given their knowledge system, that the people who lived on the islands we're not the same people who they are today. In other words, there are, were p p 
possibility of different people. It was a different time. Uh, things are not the way we understand them to be. And so that was a very different kind of past. And did this actually have an effect on history or rather on other, other disciplines? Well, not history writing per se, but, but I, I think it has a, a, an impact on history and the kind of history people wrote. Um, because they were, it raises questions about who are the Japanese, right? And and the potential that you know Japanese were cannibals, which is what they were really irritated. And that's not what Morse was saying, but that's what they heard. So so then you have to raise questions questions about migration come in, questions uh, about kind of geological change come in. There's all sorts of different things that come in about. The, the movement of people, earth, ideas that then have to be taken care of in some way and history is the way that, that I, I argue that they kind of settled the problems. So I'm going to ask a question which is kind of unfair because I think most of us when we finish our work like to try and forget that we ever wrote it. Um, but the, the question is this, that. Uh, in, in New Times in Modern Japan, one of the chapters uh, has the subtitle Chronological Time, uh, and yet one of the essays that you published in 2016, I think, was called History Without Chronology. So I'm wondering, is that a sign that you're thinking about chronology has changed, or what do you mean by the, by the phrase history without chronology? New Times is, is an attempt to think about how Japan became such a time-oriented society. But part of the problem that I was thinking about in New Times was how do, and actually this is part of the problem in Japan's Orient, is how do we write about past? And I've since decided that chronological time is one form of time. It's the time that we use, the time that we've naturalized. But in order to think about things that I'm interested in and I care about, like uh, diversity, different perspectives. Uh, it's important to recognize there are different times uh, that are available. And history without chronology has turned into a questioning whether we should use a, a metaphor from physics, which is about motion of fixed units to talk about organic systems, or whether we should use biological metaphors, and, and there's a lot of research now on biochronology, for example, to, to think about social organization, social change, uh, different ways that that activity happens and how people coalesce. So that's how uh, I'm thinking now, where chronology might be the time of our liberal capitalist system, but historians might think about other times that also operate in relationship to that or apart from them. That sounds like a big challenge for the future. We look forward to seeing how that project develops and thank you very much for joining us okay, today. Thank you very much thank for you. having me.